The following is a production of the Speedsport Podcast Network. Welcome to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, I'm your host, Taylor Burris. Joining me, of course, is my partner in crime, Justin Prist. And Justin, we have a very special guest with us. 2017 E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion Ryan Luza joining us here tonight to talk about his win that he had at Las Vegas over this past week, as well as his career and how he got started in esports, as well as his actual career in the world of short track racing. Yes, indeed. Someone with a ton of talent and one of the top drivers in all of E-NASCAR right now. It's going to be an exciting show to be able to learn about him and be able to discuss what's been an interesting start to the campaign as well for the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Certainly is. Well, let's go ahead and have this interview. Ryan, welcome to the iRacers Download. How are you doing today? I'm good. Um, Thanks for having me on. Uh, it was a it was a really good week for us, and you know can't wait to talk about it. Well, speaking of that, we t- let's talk about this. You know, last time you were at Las Vegas, you had a d- dominant performance and just continued that trend here. How was the car, and as well as the competition for you this week at Las Vegas Motor Speedway? Uh, the car was obviously really good, um, but the biggest thing that all of us knew coming into the race was how important clean air was going to be. Um, so we focused a lot on qualifying, um, like pretty much the whole day. I mean, the setup guys worked on Q probably every day um, after Homestead. So that was a really big deal, us qualifying inside the top 10. And then we made all the right calls um, on the pit strategy and staying out and getting that track position whenever there were the four cautions in like the first 20 laps of the race. So that was really important. And then that was actually one of the most stressful races of my iRacing career, believe it or not, um, because the first 15 laps of every every run, it's like you're racing for the win, because if you get the lead, it's extremely hard to lose it. And if you're in second, it's going to be really, really hard to get that lead back. So with everything on the line, like we're going to have 10 different winners and that's how you get in the playoffs. So I've been really stressed out about, you know, thinking about when this first one is going to come or if it's going to come at all. So really, really big to get it out of the way. And now I can stop worrying about it every single week and just, you know, being stressed out. I know there was some stressful moments during that race as well, Ryan, because there was, of course, for many drivers, they tried to stretch it on fuel in that respective race. I think it was Malik Ray who also stretched it to about two laps to go when he ran it out of gas. What was kind of the mind process going on when half the field just about was trying to clutch and coast while the other half was trying to split the run in half to make sure they make it on the end on gas? I think more of the thing there was you have half the field with good track position, which most of us pitted, I think, with the exception being Malik. Um, And the whole thing is, do we trust the other half of the field to not wreck? Right. And a lot of times you pit and the caution comes out and you went from first to 20th. So it's like it's just a I wouldn't say it's a 50 50 gamble because Vegas were we were really spread out. So I think the right call was just go ahead and pit, which it ended up being. But you have that, you know, 10 to 20 percent chance of the caution where anyone who pitted is just completely caught out. Your tires are already have five, 10 laps on them. You have to come in again anyways. And you've just lost all of that track position to the guys who just sat out there and waited for the caution. Um, so really big gamble. Um, 
and that wasn't that obviously wasn't the right gamble for me. It was the right gamble for others to do, of course, because they could have caught the caution and you know won the race doing that. Um, but luckily, the caution didn't come out, and that was just the right call for us. What is it when it comes to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, in your opinion, where either the performance or, in some cases, the speed, or in many cases, sometimes where when it comes to Vegas, the luck goes in your direction since it was the fourth time you've won at the track, including at one point you won three straight. What makes you so dominant at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, in your opinion, especially in the spring dates? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it's just a good track for me. Um, and historically, um, I've performed better at the beginning of the year. Um, that's when we've had more of the setup info kind of dialed in. Um, typically later in the season when we have a build thrown in or something changes, it's a lot harder to get everything dialed in. You're going to have one or two teams that just have something figured out like Keegan had in 2018, 2019, which put us you know, kind of behind the ball when his cars were so dominant. Um, and early on, we were just able to capitalize on, you know, the three in a row last year. And Vegas just happened to be at the beginning of the year when our cars were so strong. So I think, one, obviously, it's just a good track for me. And then, two, having the dominant cars to go along with, you know, having the good track. I think Homestead is probably a even better track for me. And, I, you know, I just it's not the same stat line that Vegas has shown, but there's a lot of luck and everything has to go your way to be able to win in this series as and you have to have a winning capable car. So so many things have to line up and they've just happened to line up at Vegas where we've had really, really good cars and not been caught out by untimely cautions or wrecks or anything like that. Well, with that, with you taking home this win, guaranteeing your spot. What is going to be now your goal as far as the rest of the season? Are we going to be trying to test to get things ready for the playoffs to see, okay, this setup works better for this situation, but maybe not for this situation? Kind of like what we see in the actual world of NASCAR, where drivers who have that cushion with that win can just start testing different strategies. Is that what we expect to see from you? Um, I I think it's really important to go out there and win more races. Honestly, the bonus points are going to be really important especially with 10 drivers getting into the playoffs now. And we have Talladega is our final race before our championship race. So try to get, you know, if we can go in with three or four wins again, that's going to be, you know, like nine extra points on the guys with one win. Um, so that's, that's just a big points buffer. So if we can't win in the chase and get ourselves locked in that way, we'll have those bonus points to kind of play with because eight drivers cutting down to four is a lot easier than 10 drivers cutting down to four. So uh, this year is just, it's way different. There's a lot of unknowns. I think it's a lot more stressful on a lot of us with the change to the format. Um, and hopefully we can just have things go our way. It's going to take, I know it's going to take a little bit more fortune this year and just, I don't know the, the wins help. And that's, that's the goal weekend week out is just try to go get a win. Hopefully me and Casey, can keep Xset at the top of the team standings. Um, but other than that, just try to win. That's the most important thing because I'm not going to have a chance at the three road courses that we go to. So um, there's really only like eight or nine races left that we can go win at. Well, let's talk a little bit about Xset then. This is one of the new teams that has come on board for this season in the 2021 E NASCAR Coca Cola iRacing Series. 
your thoughts of working with an a, a professional esports team not nothing to do with anything racing affiliated just actual computer sports tournaments what is your thoughts of this team as well as your working together with them in order to build the publicity of it in the esports racing side of things yeah i think it's i think it's really unique um it's a it's a different oper- different kind of opportunity than being on the nascar side of things um with the esports orgs there's a lot of other a lot of other games that they're involved in i think they have pro teams for like seven or eight different games maybe more i don't even know um but it's really cool to have them support us and us support them it's really cool to watch the valorant tournaments or you know counter strike tournaments and stuff like that and actually be involved in the organization as a whole and then with all everyone that streams that's the one thing i'm trying to focus on starting now is getting the streaming equipment going and starting to try to build an audience on twitch um so definitely a unique opportunity there um and i'm looking forward to see where things can go in the long term it's pretty commendable of what you have going on but let's now take a stroll down memory lane you know you started on the service back in 2014 uh, what was your time of starting off on the iRacing service, as well as any other future things that you were trying to do in the world of esports or motorsports? Um, I actually started in 2010. It was on a different account. Um, so I've been, this is what, my 11th year now on iRacing. So it's been a long time. I guess I started when I was 14. Um, so initially when I started, I just kind of did the, the legend cars just casually because I was actually racing legend cars in real life at the time. And I thought that would be, you know, something fun to do, keep my race craft up and just, you know, have a good time because um, I had never actually done anything simulator related. And I got hooked on iRacing, you know, really quickly because there's only so much real racing you get to do, you know, every other weekend or once a month even. So um, it's just really cool to have the competitive racing experience anytime that i wanted it so i was on iRacing i don't know 10 12 hours a day when i could on the weekends when i wasn't at school um and just spent a lot of time at it you know worked hard and eventually got myself into pro and then into the coke series and um just it's really fun to do it was it was a lot of fun back then when it was 10 grand to win and we weren't getting paid by teams and now that we're actually with the $100,000 championship prize and, you know, the actually having team salaries, it's it's really cool to do something that I love to do and actually, you know, get to make money doing it. So really unique thing here. And I don't think any of us expected this to blow up the way it has. But thanks to NASCAR, Irie Singh and everyone who's had their hand in expanding this esport. Um, it's just been it's been awesome really just kind of like a dream experience to be able to be involved in this now when it comes to the early days in the series describe what the feeling and emotions were kind of like in the car back then compare in some of the prep work put in compared to to now because there's been a big amount of prep work required by many different organizations in recent seasons especially where they've talked about 3,000 laps in some cases 1,500 laps for others how much has changed on that side from the early days to now in terms of that side of this the series in your opinion I don't, yeah I don't think a lot has changed 
um, for me personally. Um, I think the biggest change since 2017, um, there's just a lot more hours being put in. Um, not for me personally, but as a collective of the total 40 drivers, I think on average the workload has gone up because there's so much more on the line. Um, 2017, I took just as seriously. I came in, you know, me and Ray were kind of like had a rivalry thing going on, um, about, you know, about going for the championship in my rookie year. And so I took my rookie year very, very seriously and we ended up getting it done and winning the championship. Um, and every year has basically been the same, just trying to come out, win races and win the championship. So for me personally, I don't think much has changed, but. I think the competition level of the series has definitely gone up since 2017 and the drivers are having to adapt to the competition level going up, the workload going up. And now this year, especially the racing is a lot different. And I think that's the biggest thing right now is people adapting to the way we're having to race with this dirty air being as important as it is. Just interest on this, Mark, have, when you think back to that 2017 season, you mentioned the rivalry with Ray Alfaro, for example. What else stands out to you that you still think back and say, that's a great moment to think about or gives you a smile each and every day to help you keep that drive and trying to win another title? I mean, the biggest thing that year um was obviously just winning the championship in 2017 um but coming in i had really high expectations on myself and after daytona i like obviously i didn't have a big expectation for daytona for the first race of the year because i mean daytona is daytona and you can't really control what happens there um but going to vegas in my second start and pretty much dominating that race um that was just a big moment for me to come in as a rookie and put myself up front right away um, and just show myself as the championship contender off the bat that I thought I was going to be and then to carry that out throughout the year and then eventually bring home the championship. So the biggest thing was winning the championship, obviously, but being able to come out week two in my rookie year and win that race at Vegas um, was was really uh, important to me and now we're four out of five at vegas so definitely carried that on throughout the years it certainly is definitely something amazing of what you've been able to accomplish but coming up more with our guest ryan luza you're listening to the iRacers download on the speed sport podcast network and nascar digital media Welcome back to the iRacers Download here, continuing our conversation with eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series driver, Ryan Luza. Ryan, I wanted to go a little bit more into the real-world racing that you have, because just a few months ago, back last year, you actually had the chance to complete at Five Flags during the Snowflake 100. Tell us a little bit about that, as well as your experience and the time that you had there at Five Flags. Oh, uh, the experience was awesome. Um, it was it was really, I would say, bittersweet for me, um, because I think we raced in the Snowflake in 2013, 2014, and 2015. And 2015 was our final year 
racing prolate models, we ended up just running out of money and having to sell out, which obviously racing is really expensive, so that's just the way it goes. Um, and then being able to come back into a late model after five years and just reliving that experience again after you know missing out on it for so long, I don't think I really appreciated how much I missed it until getting back in the car last year. Um, so that was, that was a fun week. There's nothing like the Derby week, really. There's nothing like being there at five flags and just all of the haulers being around all the NASCAR drivers, all the late model guys, just such a, such a fun experience. Um, and I actually hung out with, uh, Jimmy Mullis came down, Novak and a couple of the other irising buddies that I had. And we just had a, it was a fun weekend for sure. Um, a little bit disappointed in the end result of that race, but um, I think every practice session we were top three on the boards and we were really competitive the whole week. So that was just um, really cool to go do. And hopefully we can do it again. You know, maybe not, maybe not the end of this year, but in the future, I'd love to be able to do it again. To loop back towards 2015 pro late model champion at five flag speedway on top of things, Ryan, how big was iRacing, in your opinion, in terms of that return to the track? Because I know there's been the increase of the prize money, for example. Drivers have talked about across the service that, especially in, say, the iRacing World of Outlaws series, the ability to use that prize money to help their real-world programs. How much has that helped you and your return to try and climb back into the late models and up the NASCAR ladder? I mean, the hundred grand would have went a long ways, um, but as we know, that didn't really work out so well for me last year. Um, that was pretty hard, honestly. That was that was tough. That was a tough loss, um, especially after having the dominant car and the performance that we had at Homestead to come up, you know, three laps short, passing for the lead, and for it to just kind of fall apart all instantly in you know a matter of seconds. So that really hurt because, I mean, 100 grand versus 10 grand, that's just like, I don't know. The, it's hard to wrap my mind around what 100 grand would do. And to have it that close and gone in, you know, a couple seconds, that was just a hard pull to swallow. Um, but then again, I look at it in the way where in 2017, when I won the championship, that was 10 grand. And last year, being unlucky and getting wrecked, I still won 10 grand. So fortunate that the prize money has gone up. Um, but that was a hard pill to swallow, and we're focusing definitely on this year and trying to get back there again. Um, mm -hmm. And as far as being out of the car for those five years, like you said, I think the biggest thing that iRacing is beneficial with for real-life racing is just keeping the racecraft sharp. You can't just be out of a car for five years and then be comfortable racing you know, inches off of another car. And that's what iRacing really helps with is keeping your mind sharp and just that comfort level that you need when you're going to be out there, you know, racing inches off another car. At the moment, in terms of your preparation, I mean, in rather in terms of the real world racing, what are the current plans you have lined up for 2021 that you hope to pursue? Um, nothing set in stone. Um, I mean, we spent a lot of money, uh, to make the Derby deal work out for last year. Um, we're talking about doing some regular season races at five flags. Hopefully that all comes through, um, 
still kind of in the dark right now, but nothing set. But I'm hopeful that, you know, there's some opportunities that can come up because I'd love to get back in a late model. It was, it was so much fun being back in it. And I really, like I said, I realized how much I missed it um, in 2015 and, you know, previously. And um, I'm just going to cherish, you know, the opportunity to be able to get back in that car at the end of last year. Well, we hope something is able to come for you for this year. But, Ryan, let's, we now know your racing background, both in the virtual and on the track. What are some of the things that people could maybe learn more about you that you do outside of behind the steering wheel or the cockpit of a race car? Well, I do pest control with my dad. He owns a pest control business. Um, so that's that's actually a pretty big benefit of working for my dad is if, you know, we're coming up on the playoff races or obviously the championship race, um, the, the schedule is flexible so I can get, you know, a couple of days off if I really just need to sit there and test. Like I did for Homestead last year, my hands were blistering before that championship race. I had turned so many laps. I had to actually go and get my racing gloves out um, because my hands were hurting so bad. Um, so that's a nice thing, you know, working with my dad and doing pest control. I actually enjoy it. It's It seems like not a fun job, but it's actually quite enjoyable. Um, and I don't know, that's pretty much it. I spend a lot of time, like all the other... <laughs> gamers on iRacing, you know, playing Call of Duty and a lot of other shooters and stuff like that that I really have a good time on. Sounds very interesting. I'm speaking from experience working with my father as well outside of the radio stuff. It's got to be very, can be very flexible when working with him. But, you know, we also know that you have a very interesting rig. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the rig that you have that you use to race on? Oh, everyone hates my rig. <laughs> All I do is catch hell about it. Um, my monitors don't exactly line up. My monitors are not all the same size, but it works for me, and I don't really want to change anything because it works for me. Um, I still use a Driving Force GT, which they probably started making in, like, 2005. Um, and they don't make them anymore, so one day it's going to break. Um, but I still use a DFGT. Um, that's a pretty simple setup, honestly. I still have the um, I have TV trays. Like the little TV dinner stands that my side monitor set on, and my middle monitor is just a little bit bigger, so they don't necessarily line up. Um, but it works for me. I'm comfortable with it, and um, I'm not going to change it until I have to. So basically, just a little more of an upgrade compared to what we saw Timmy Hill doing a couple of, last year when he competed for the virtual e NASCAR races that we saw on FS1, huh? Oh yeah, that, that cracked me up. His steering wheel wasn't even lined up with his monitor. Uh, oh, that, that's that's a bit worse than mine. But um, I everyone makes one of me in my setup. But you know, if it if it isn't broke, don't fix it. True that. Well, as we come to a close on this interview, Ryan, you know, what is some advice that you give to give to up and coming future stars of the sport, whether it be esports or late models? that are coming through the field and wanting to possibly have the chance to be and able to compete at the highest level like you have? Um, I think one thing that's actually, I heard from Novak, he was talking about this and he said whenever he was coming up through and trying to get better and make, you know, Coke and get up through pro initially, he was trying to look at what other people were doing and like copy them you know, step by step or see exactly what someone else is doing and do that. And I agree with him. I don't think that's 
I don't think that's the right approach. You can learn from other people, but you do what you are comfortable with. You can't change the way you sit in your chair. Or you don't want to copy their wheel settings or anything like that. You want to do what's comfortable for you, what works for you, and just put in the time and figure out what actually works for you. Um, so yeah, that's that's I don't know. That's probably the biggest pointer I could give. Um, and you don't need a fancy steering wheel with a bunch of force feedback. It's not really, you know, it's not required. It's just whatever, whatever you're comfortable with, you're going to perform best with, in my opinion. Could not agree with you more on that. Well, Ryan, for people to follow you and learn more about your career, where can they go to follow you on social media to keep up with your season so far? Uh, mainly, I post on Twitter. It's uh, just Ryan Luza on Twitter. Um, and like I was pointing out earlier, um, I'm going to try to be streaming more often, um, even outside of Coke, doing, you know, some like C-Fix and A-Fix and stuff like that, just some official races. Um, and my Twitch is flying Ryan Luza. So trying to grow that. Um, looking forward to growing a streaming community and being able to interact with chat and stuff like that and actually give people advice or, you know, answer questions or anything like that. Um, I think it'd just be a cool experience to be able to, you know, share knowledge and just, you know, entertain in that way. And what about for Exec Gaming? Where can people go to follow the team that you drive for for this season? See, Exec Gaming is just Exet on every platform. They're pretty much everywhere, and the org is growing pretty rapidly. Um, so, like I said, really, really happy um, signing with Exet. And this is just like, who knows how big Exet gets. Um, in this next year or two. So really, really happy to be with them for the long term. And hopefully me and Casey can grab them a championship this year. Well, we got to say, hopefully you do have a great season. Good luck in all your endeavors for the 2021 season, whether it be in the virtual world or out on the short tracks across the country. We hope to see you perform quite well. That is Ryan Luza, driver of the number four Xset Gaming and he is going to be competing once again in the 2021 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series throughout the duration of this season. Coming up after the break, we're going to go over the news and upcoming events for the CC Week. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download. We just got done talking with Ryan Luza, 2017 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion and winner at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this last week here, Justin. I got to say, learning more about him, he was very insightful, and also he seems to be very entertained and ready to compete for this 2021 season. Seems laser-focused, absolutely, and he hit upon it that the first half of the season has been his strongest for the past couple of seasons, especially when it comes to his victories on the campaign. It's going to be, I think, important, and it seems he realizes this, to be able to laser in on the second half of the season as well and make sure of everything. He's someone that always has approached me and has come off towards me as someone that thinks a lot and is analytical on how he approaches these types of races, and we've seen that with today certainly so but let's take a look back at some of the highlights from las vegas of course like ryan mentioned in his interview 
Very chaotic race for the first half of this race, Justin. A lot of cautions and a lot of heavy hitters taken out early. Six cautions, in fact, and it all really started when Mitchell DeYoung blew an engine early on in the race where one moment his temperatures were fine. The next moment he said he looked down to the gauges. Boom engine explodes and that's how fine the line is when it comes to blowing an engine then you have the various different incidents dylan duvall and garrett Lowe crashed early on in the race ryan Doucette got involved in some trouble in the middle portion of the race 33 laps down in the race some fast drivers in fact end up getting collected in the various different incidents on top of things and don't forget about what's been a nightmarish start to the season as a result of incidents taylor Ray Alfawa again involved in trouble early in a race. Four laps down in 35th. It's been a disastrous start for the campaign for Ray Alfawa. And it's going to be tough to claw his way out of the hole he's in right now, especially with the momentum from what happened incident-wise. It was the type of race where drivers knew they had to fight for track position early, and we've seen the results of that. It certainly was, and as we take a quick look at the top 10 from this race, of course, the top 5 was pretty much dominated by the Blue Ovals of Ford, with Exet Gaming, Roush Fenway Racing, and Jim Beaver Esports taking the top 5, with Ryan Luza, of course, winning the race, Steven Wilson, a newcomer for the 2021 campaign, up in 2nd, followed by Ryan's teammate for Exet Gaming, Casey Kerwin in 3rd, Kane Cook 4th, and Nathan Lyon, also with Roush Fenway in the 5th position, so... As we look ahead to Atlanta in a two weeks time on the 16th, what do you think we need to see happen for some of those drivers who have not had the best of luck? I mean, like you brought out, Ray Alfala is one of them. Garrett Maines is another driver who's had terrible luck for the past three weeks and then several other drivers as well. Yeah, Garrett Maines put in a ton of effort, unfortunately, just involved in some of the trouble. I think the main thing's going to be Work on qualifying, work on qualifying, work on qualifying. Because track position is going to be so critical in these races, and especially at Atlanta, which it's going to be where if you don't get track position, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to be involved in a ton of attrition. So my thought process, Taylor, is a lot of the focus has to be able to get good track position and early. Put your drivers and put yourself in situations to where you can battle for position up at the front. If you are starting in the 30s, it can be very difficult to get yourself inside the top 10. As a matter of fact, when it came to this race, three drivers had started in the 20s, yes, but that was in part with some of the strategy that started to come into play with the fuel mileage that we talked a little bit about with Ryan Luza. So you can't bank on that every single week, though, Taylor. You've got to be racing like it's going to go green the whole way based on your strategy. So it's going to come down to qualifying, track position, and, of course, a lot of luck at Hotlanta. Certainly is. Of course, the last time we were at Atlanta Motor Speedway in 2020, a certain four-time champion took home his first win there after having a multiple drive spell of wins with him not able to take home a checkered flag. Ray Alfala was the winner last time around, so be mindful and keep an eye on him when we head that way to Atlanta. But 
It's time to go a little bit more to the back to the high banks of Daytona once again. I know people are thinking, wait, Speed Week is already over. Why are we talking about Daytona? Well, the eracers.gg have came up with, I would say, probably one of the craziest combinations. Taking the old COT cars, that's right, the Gen 5 cars on the iRacing service, no restrictor plates, taking them to Daytona International Speedway, hitting speeds of over 240 miles an hour, and put about $30,000 on the line, per se, Justin? Yes, indeed, and speeds of 240 miles an hour is an understatement with no yellow line rule that took place for that respective race. It was wild, to say the very least. 43 lead changes among 16 drivers, Taylor, over the course of a couple hours. Three full weeks of preparation minimum for many of the organizations. And don't forget about original for Kyle Busch, who actually had a solid performance in that race. But in the end, Taylor, it came down to track position and keeping the car clean. Jimmy Mullis ended up taking that victory in that race, in fact, in overtime over Michael Cozy Jr., Nicholas Morse, Matt Busa, and Spencer Burns. It was the type of race where, overall, if you kept your car clean, and in some cases, as long as you can drive the car straight, you had a strong shot on coming away with the checkered flag. It's certainly, I mean, when you go to Daytona International Speedway, if you are in an earshot or not even earshot, even within a couple of car lanes away from the lead draft, you still have a chance, especially on that white flag, because like you said, there's no double yellow line rule. It is all or nothing, as we know, and you have a chance to win at any point during that last few laps. But for Jimmy Mullis, he was just there at the right place at the right time and took home the win, took home the check, and... I'm pretty sure he's a happy camper with that and now hoping to see if he can get an extra $100,000 later on as he continues to compete in the 2021 E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Absolutely. And when he spoke with Landon Castle, Parker Krugman, and don't forget about David Schildhaus, he showed that emotion where it was essentially a $25 entry fee to be able to compete for this event and for all that work to be rewarded with the grand prize was huge. Keep in mind that there were several drivers trying to fight for additional prize money. Take, for example, Nick Oniger. He was taking the challenge to start at the back of the field for $15,000. Got involved in trouble early. And hate to hit back on Ray Fowler again, but... His bad luck stretched over to that race where he was dominant early to Taylor there, but ended up getting involved in an incident around the halfway mark. So it was a race with a ton of storylines and a mix of real-world drivers, the top drivers in the ENAS Coca-Cola iRacing Series, and don't forget about some of the biggest drivers who were currently trying to qualify their way into the series in 2021. Certainly so. And speaking of qualifying, starting off on March 4th, which is when we usually record on Thursdays, is to kick off to the E-NASCAR iRacing Road to Pro Qualifying Series. And as the voice of the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, Evan Pasoka would say, the road to $100,000 starts with this race here starting tonight. And a lot of the big esports team on iRacing are really showing their strength early. I mean, we have Elliott Sadler Esports, Bobby Dale Earnhardt Legacy Esports, Nexus 
you name it, all of the big guns are coming out to play tonight. It's going to be important for these teams to be able to focus on the mindset of get into the top 70 because essentially the scenario is for many drivers to be able to qualify their way into the eNASCAR iRacing contender series coming up in the winter time. You have to make that top 70 in the first few races. It's one where anyone who's in the first five splits sorted by I rating, which is essentially the skill levels for many of the drivers or in terms of a num numerical rating, rather. It's going to be critical for drivers to focus on the mindset of race their own race to start things off, especially at tracks like Las Vegas Motor Speedway and Richmond Raceway. Because if you get involved in trouble, it can cause some problems for your hopes early. And you talk about some of the big teams getting that preparation in. The preparation has been going on for some of them for months, for this moment. All of that work is now on the line in the next few months or so to show they can get their drivers into the top 70. And Justin, if I may say, aren't you going to have a shot at competing for this year's Road to Pro? Uh, yes, I'm actually planning to compete this season with Kale Gale Performance and Development going to likely be running in some of the lower splits to start off, but it's one where I put in a fair bit of preparation. It's a lot of work that goes into it where you have to be able to log laps as well as know how the truck's going to respond in traffic when a truck's right on your back bumper, how to adjust the truck what to do for pit stops. All of that has been touched upon for weeks upon weeks, Taylor, and all of that is so critical if you want to be able to compete at this level. So it's going to be an interesting campaign, to say the least, Taylor. It's going to be one where I am very nervous, obviously, but it's one where as long as I don't overthink things, I think there's a shot that... Even myself can get into the top 70. Well, we hope that you can do that. I will not be driving this season, of course. I'm actually going to be up in the crew chief spotter stands here for this season. I'll be spotting for Legacy Esports driver Dustin Johnson for this eight-race campaign and see if uh, he gets into the top 70. And hopefully we do. We have a good car for this season. But quick look at the schedule. It's eight rounds for this first half of the pro qualifying series. It's going to start off at Las Vegas then go to Atlanta Motor Speedway, Richmond Raceway, Talladega Super Speedway, Darlington, Charlotte, Martinsville, and then conclude on June the 18th at Dover International Speedway. Justin, a very mix of great tracks to go to. But before we get to a close and go over some of the other things to come, final thoughts on this Road to Pro Championship. I think it's going to be critical for drivers to be able to survive and make sure they think big picture here because you, if you can go for the points, you go for that situation where you score the best to your ability, those points. If you try and go for the race win on lap two, good luck. It's going to be a wild night for you because it likely involves a lot of puffs of smoke. You need to be smart when it comes to these races. And I think these competitors know this from every single organization. Taylor, I think you know this as well from your preparation work. It's going to be critical for the drivers to hit upon that and remember 
to stay big moment, or rather stay big picture throughout this entire time, throughout the next couple months, if you want to try and make the snake splits for this year's qualifying series. And of course, Justin, before, yeah, and I agree with you on that point. The preparation is definite. I mean, the teams have been working hard months in advance, like you said, some even starting as late, early as December to get things ready. But let's take a quick look at what's to come for those of you who are interested in wanting to watch this race or any other esports races. And it all starts, of course, on Thursday, March 4th at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can catch the top split race for the eNASCAR iRacing Road to Pro Qualifying Series on the Podium Esports Network. And then, of course, the second split is going to be on STN Racing. So go make sure to check those out. Probably have two monitors, one for top split, one for second split, because, Justin, there's going to be storylines for both splits. Pretty much all throughout the main top five splits is a story waiting to be told. Absolutely. And I remember last year, especially Blake McCandless emphasized this on the rise of Isaac Gann, the eventual Pro Series champion for what's now the Contender Series in the wintertime. He started off originally not planning to run the races, in fact, Taylor. He was originally planning to be a spotter for that season, he told me, in preparation for this season. Before his team boss, seen how he performed, told him, I want you on the track, essentially. Guess what? He started off in those second splits and performed really well in those second splits to the point where he was competing for victories at the top split level by the second half of the qualifying series for 2020. So you have to keep an eye, I think, on that second split 100% because many of the drivers, as some fall down the rankings and some back out, are going to be rising up there. Others, as they improve over time, are also going to be joining that second split. So the storylines are going to be filled up to the brim in both splits for those broadcasts because it's going to be critical to see which drivers improve and which drivers struggle in those two splits. Certainly so. So again, that's going to be on March 4th. Of course, you can catch all the replays if you're not able to catch it live on STN Racing as well as Podium Esports. And then on Monday, that's right, Monday Night Racing, the biggest iRacing league on the service. The biggest names in motorsports, media, and owners coming out to play. You can catch the action, of course, March 8th as the round of seven begins at Montreal in the Porsche 911 RSRs, just after a crazy race in the street stocks at Rockingham, Nick DeGroot, Max Kennan, Preston Partis, Anthony Alfredo, Matt Stalneck, Will Rogers, Gabe Wood are still in a quest for championship glory for Monday Night Racing presented by Tough Coat Flooring. I'm honestly curious to see which drivers end up surviving that type of race because it's essentially a road course race at what's on a man-made island for the Olympics back in the 1970s in Montreal. And on top of things, with a car that some of the drivers may not be used to. So it's going to be, I think, one where strategy and attrition are going to be the names of the game if you want to be able to try and move on for a battle for the championship. No room for error, to say the very least, Taylor. We've seen that for the street stocks, there was no room for error. You can emphasize that big time for Circuit Joe Vilnu. 
Certainly so. Of course, you can catch the action again Monday, 8 p.m., March 8th on Podium Esports Network. You can catch the action there. But with that, Justin, it's hard to believe we're already done with this episode here and we're getting ready to look ahead and see all the craziness that's going to happen in the world of esports. But for once again, for Ryan Luza, thanks him for coming on the show tonight. I am Taylor Burris. He is Justin Priss. And we got to also thank our wonderful producer to come in and help us out, Mr. Ryan Bauer. And of course, our other producer, Wayne Owen. This has been the iRacers Download here on the Speed Sports Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media.